We're going to be looking at John chapter 16 this morning, plus some other texts as well, but we'll begin here at John 16. Father, we're very thankful for your word. We're thankful for this great day. We praise you for this incredible privilege that we can come before your word and we can hear you speak to us. Father, speak to us and help us to understand and know what it know what it means for you to speak to us. Grant clarity, Father. Grant understanding that we might both see and hear what it is you're saying to us, your church. That we might know your voice clearly, discern it, and know how it is you communicate with us. We ask, Father, for your mercy and grace now because we ask it in Christ Jesus, your beloved Son, Amen. Well, when it comes to experiencing God, one thing we need to grow in, I believe, is in our understanding of how it is and when it is that God is speaking to us. Because this is a big topic, a big subject about experiencing God, and, and it's hearing His voice. When is God speaking to us? How do we know when He's speaking to us? Is this, this is some weird thing, mystical thing, or is this some ordinary thing? What, what is this exactly? And I have to be honest with you, um, this has been incredibly informative for me, and a great time for me to wrestle with this and really seek to try to understand what exactly this means, what it doesn't mean, because I have, I've, I think I, in the past I've understood this improperly, or at least been confused by it, at the very least. How many of you have ever heard somebody said, God told me, or God said? And then you, they say what they, they said, and you're, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, maybe that was God. How do you know if that was God? I mean, that's weird saying. Th- For me, I've always found that a weird statement because I'm like, well, God, do you, sp- you don't speak to me like that. It's like, I've never heard God audibly speak to me. Maybe, I, you know... Maybe, maybe they have some special relationship that I don't know about. Or, you know, it causes, has it ever caused a lot of confusion? Especially if they say that and what they said was a little bizarre or strange. You're going, sheesh, um, are you sure that was God? <laughs> it might have been something else. So it, it is very, it, it's a very interesting thing that has to be clearly understood. And I think when it, what happens is when we understand how it is God speaks to us, it, it takes away a lot of the confusion, and now we can sort out perhaps what people are saying, what they mean by it. Not only that, but hearing God's voice is fundamental to our relationship with Him. And do you know why? Because it's communication. And you, Can you imagine a, a relationship existing where there's no communication? Well, that's what divorces are made of. You could have two people in the same house, under the same roof, sleeping in the same bed, and it isn't too long, and they're sitting across the table, it could be ten years later, and think, I don't even know this person. What's happened? Well, a lot has broken down. Sin has gotten in the way, and it's not been dealt with. And then intimacy goes out the window, communication totally out the window, any connection out the window, because relationships, in order for a relationship to exist, there's got to be open communication where you dialogue with one another and share with one another. Could you imagine a relationship where that wasn't possible? Yeah, it's one that doesn't exist. 
That kind of a relationship is one that ends, if it's a married relationship, in divorce. Because open communication where we understand one another is necessary. And it's no different with God. You can go to worship, you can be baptized, you can profess you are a Christian, and you can do some good deeds. But hear me on this. That doesn't mean you have a close relationship with God. Functional religion and the things that we do to, to, that we think are like what it means to communicate with God doesn't necessarily mean that we are. And, he, and, and I'll explain what I mean by this. Because in order for us to have a close relationship with God, the sin between me and him must be taken care of fundamentally, and there must be open communication between me and him. Otherwise, like that marriage gone bad, you might be in the same house, but there is no relationship. So before we can hear God and know what his voice is like, we need to examine ourselves and understand something fundamentally to see whether or not we have a relationship with God, or if we do, how close is that relationship? Because before we can hear from God, we have to have a relationship with God. And this is why we're in this text in John chapter 16. In John 16, if you look at beginning at verse 7, Jesus said he's going to do something. He's going to bring the helper. In verse 7 of this particular passage, He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. And I've mentioned this before. It was actually, it's to our advantage. It's to the church's advantage that Jesus actually went away. And here's why. Because instead of Jesus being a particular person in a particular place, he goes to to the right hand of uh, the Father. He sends the Spirit, which is his Spirit, and that they are one. And now he can come and dwell in you. Not just with you or among you, but in you. It's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Now, this was read for us this morning. The helper, and we know we go on to realize this helper is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is our helper. He helps us in a myriad of ways. And we're going to see some of them right here in this text. In verse 8, we see that he is going to come and he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. It's one of the things he's going to do. Conviction of sin. Conviction of a lack of righteousness. Conviction of the fact that the the judgment is coming. In verse 13, if you drop down to there, you'll see there that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to guide us into all truth. Guide us into all truth. You know, this, this phrase about the truth is interesting because he speaks about the spirit of truth. In chapter 15, 16, and 17, he refers to the spirit as the spirit of truth. And in chapter 17, he says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He's going to guide us into all truth, and this truth is God's word. And then in verse the second latter part of verse 13, he says that he's going to speak what he hears from Jesus. And that's it. What I speak is what I hear from Jesus. Jesus' words. And then he says he's going to reveal the things that are to come. In verse 14... There, it talks about him being, he's going to be glorify Jesus. One of his ministries, one of his passions is to glorify Jesus. In verse 15, he said 
in, in almost like a re- rehash of what he said earlier, that he's going to take what is Jesus's and declare it to us. So this is here is a very explicit description of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when we see here, what we see here is what happens when we are born of God, when the Spirit comes to us and the Spirit dwells in us. We have the Spirit work in us. This is what happens. This is how God communicates to you. This is how he speaks to us. It's through the word, by the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we don't understand. The Spirit comes and he convicts us. He guides us into truth. He reveals the truth of God's word to us. He speaks to us the words of Jesus. He reveals to us what Jesus is up to in the world. And he glorifies Jesus and gives us a passion to glorify Jesus. So, it follows then that if we don't have the Spirit, this will not be true of us. This is only true if one has the Spirit. This is what the Spirit has come to do. As 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Now, who's the natural person? The person who's still in the flesh. The person who does not have the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what this means is this. A person will only hear Christ and understand if they have the Spirit of God. So basically, what you have here is what? We call this the Bible, and this is a book. Yes, we know that. And this particular book is filled. We've got histories. We've got uh, prophetic declarations. We've got prophetic books. We've got proverbial wisdom. We've got gospels, and we've got epistles and such, right? And what this you have here are letters on a page. And these letters on a page will mean nothing to you, will be closed off to you, will not be life to you, will not be anything to you but like, oh wow, weird. That's a cool fact. Maybe that's not cool. That's strange, bizarre. It'll be like a dead book locked up to you. Because here's something fascinating. When God speaks to us, he speaks to us through his word. But the difference is that you, could, I, you can read this without the spirit of God and it's just nothing more than maybe per, perhaps historical document that's very clouded, it seems locked up, it seems dry, it seems bizarre, it seems like it has a bunch of strange stuff, but whatever it is, it's not this living word of God. And then on the other hand, the Spirit of God comes, and what does this become? Your life. This becomes living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, divided between bone and marrow, soul and spirit, according to Hebrews 4. It comes alive. You know, this, I can testify from my own life, my own experience, that this is exactly how it works because no one, and let me repeat, no one will ever love this book, delight in this book, find in it the words of life in this book, that, that it'll come alive to them and it's like God speaks to them from this book unless they have the Spirit of God. It's dead and it's closed. And here's the fasting, fast, it's so fascinating. Because either it's dead or it's alive. And which is it depends on your relationship with God and whether or not the Spirit of God is in you. 
here's, before I was converted, when I, I remember God starting to draw me out and draw me towards himself. And I thought perhaps maybe, uh, I, uh, when I was in seventh grade, I got this little Gideon Bible. I used to hand them out back then. It was a New Testament. And I thought that maybe this would have the, some help because I was really searching and wondering and God was drawing me myself, but I was terribly confused and I was looking for answers, some hope. And I remember I was a little embarrassed by it and I, I was in the hospital. I was having back surgery when I was 14. Nobody's around, looking around. Nobody's there. I, I find this Bible and, and I crack it open and I look in there. And To this day, I, I can't remember anything I read. It was so strange to me. It was bizarre. It was like, oh, weird. You know, and there was no life to it at all. It was like a dead book, locked up, archaic, strange language. What is it talking about? What does this mean? This is the weirdest thing ever. And this is dramatic for me because I remember after I came to Christ and, and I was converted that right away I went, and I, I cannot, honestly, I can't remember I don't think anybody said anything, but I had this hunger and desire for the Word of God. And I picked it up, and I read it, and it exploded. It was the most amazing thing I've ever read. It was like I couldn't put it down. Turning pages, flipping, it's like, wow, whoa, unbelievable. It was written right to me. I felt like it was like speaking straight to me. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Oh, oh, I'm just like... Well, I just couldn't get enough of it. What That which was dead and completely shut off to me had now become alive. It became, it became my book. I love this thing. It was like the book. This dead, archaic book that you read, if, if the Spirit of God is not there, and it's not words of life. It became life to me. And this is the thing. This book will not jump off the pages to you. Jesus will not be revealed to you. You will not see the glories of God. You will not understand and know the truth of what's in there. It will be dead and cold to you, shut off from you, if the Spirit of God does not reside in you. And here's something else can happen. There's, that's like the either or, but there's also this middle in a sense where there's Christians who grow, uh, they allow sin to get into their relationship with God and they drift from God. And they, they, typically when you're drifting from God, you know what you'll do? You'll drift from here. That's what happens. And it's, it's, it's amazing. When you have a vibrant relationship with God, this is alive to you. And these are the words of life. Ask yourself this question. Do you love this book? Is it alive to you? Is it, is it the words of life? Is God revealed to you? Do you read it? Is it like, wow, and unbelievable, and this is the most amazing piece of literature that's ever written? The only reason, if that's true of you, the latter is true of you, it's because the Spirit of God resides in you. Because this is what the Spirit of God has come to do. To make this word come alive to, alive to us and speak directly to us. But if the Spirit of God has not come, if we don't possess the Spirit of God, 
It's dead to us. And it really is an amazing thing. Now here's something we need to be clear about as well, is how it is that God uses the word to speak to us. And in regard to this, first and foremost, I think we understand this, that God almost never speaks directly, but indirectly through means. And the reason I say, I say indirectly through means is because the word isn't an audible, in-the-moment voice of God that you hear from heaven. It's not that. This is a, as I said, this is a collection of histories, psalms, uh, proverbial wisdom, prophetic uh, declarations of the Gospels and epistles, etc. That's what it is. But it comes to life when the Spirit activates it. In this way, hearing God speak is a lot like seeing God act in the world. When God acts in the world, he works through means. So this, this book here, it, it, I, the reason I say it's a means, an indirect means, is because these are, like I said, these are words on a page. That's all, that's, they're histories, they're, that's all they are in and of themselves. It's a means through which the Spirit of God works to speak to us. And it's a lot like how he acts. God is always a God who acts indirectly through means. Almost, almost, always. When he delivered Israel from Egypt, what did he do? He uses Moses, right? He uses Moses and his creation to do the delivering. Not once do you actually hear God speak, and not once do you actually hear God show up, but he's speaking and showing up all over the place. He's doing it indirectly through these means. The same is true when God speaks to his people. He almost, I repeat, almost always uses various means. In Genesis 15, he spoke to Abraham through a vision. In Genesis 16, he spoke to Hagar through the angel of the Lord. In Genesis 28, 10 through 19, he spoke to Jacob through a dream where he saw this ladder going up to heaven. In Exodus 3, he spoke to Moses in the burning bush. In Exodus 28, he spoke through the Urim and Thummim. In Numbers 22, he spoke through Balaam's donkey. In 1 Kings 19, God spoke through this gentle whisper. But on the vast majority of occasions, God spoke through his prophets. And if you see the way God acts, typically God acts and moves through means. So almost every case, this is how God also speaks to his people, is through means. Today, God might, on very special occasions speak through dreams or visions and such, but primarily, how does he speak? He primarily speaks through the written word. This is fundamentally and primarily how God speaks. As Paul reminded his disciple Timothy in 2 Timothy two, uh, sorry, 3, 16 and 17, he said this, All scripture is breathed out by God. So, it's kind of talking about the way inspiration happens. So God breathes out into the person, inspires them. They, by the Holy Spirit, write. And it's not like they're out of control, they're in control, but being influenced by the Spirit. And it's profitable, he said, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This was why Paul exhorted Timothy 
just after this in that same book, 2 Timothy, to preach the word in season and out of season. Why? It's the word of God. It's how God actually speaks. It's how God communicates to people. It's how they're taught, they're instructed, they're corrected, they're admonished. It's me speaking to them. And it's how they hear my voice. And it's how they, re- it's how they know to respond to me. And it's how they're trained for righteousness. Now, the question, I guess, is this. How exactly does this work? How does God speak to us through his word? Well, as he says in 2 Timothy 3.16, we just have to ask ourselves this question. Have you ever been convicted of sin? Have you ever been taught, instructed, Have you ever been admonished or encouraged through the preaching or teaching or through God's word in some way? If you have, guess what? You need to understand this clearly. God, God has spoken to you. And how can we say this? We can say this because it it doesn't naturally happen. This is what the Spirit of God does. He comes to convict. He comes to guide into all truth. He comes to instruct. He comes to help us understand it. He comes, and he's the medium by which we hear the voice of God. You know, if this has ever happened, if you've ever sat here and while I was preaching, um, and if you've ever been instructed or encouraged or convicted or rebuked or admonished, newsflash, it's not me. I can't do that. I have no ability. None. You've got to quickly realize and look past the person, the medium by which it's coming, and realize that when you could sit here right now, and if you are instructed in the ways of God, convicted over sin, admonished, rebuked, corrected, or taught, that's not Dean Hellickson. That is God speaking to you. And God uses these means to do it. I can try and manage physical things, like I could try to make you laugh, or I could try to make you cry, or I could try to motivate you to do something. And these are all things that people can do. And we've, it's happened to us all the time, right? People do it all the time. Here's what people cannot do. They cannot convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. They cannot guide you into the truth of God's word. They do not reveal to you who Jesus is in all of his glory. They cannot give you a desire and a passion to love God and love others. They cannot cause you to want to glorify Jesus. Can't. That is the only thing that God himself can do. That's it. And because of this, we really do need to get in the habit of looking past the means that God is using and understand and discern his voice. We have to get past preachers and teachers very quickly. We've got to get past the medium and to understand this is how God will work. He will use means, but I need to hear his voice. And one of the worst things that we could ever do is develop a critical spirit. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever gotten critical of what the preacher sounds like? Have you gotten critical of what the preacher looks like? Have you gotten critical about things? The moment you develop a critical spirit, often I'll guarantee you, you're no longer hearing from God. It'll become dead and cold to you. And believe me, I know from experience, I've, been, I've had a critical spirit before. And it's like there's, there's no longer, there's no, there's no longer conviction, admonishment. It just kind of goes away, and it becomes dead and becomes flat. 
And usually what I need is, thankfully, God comes along through his word and through some means and, and spanks me and does convict me and does show me, thankfully, that's the work of the Spirit, God speaking to me to repent. And here's something else I think we have to understand is that when it comes to this whole idea of hearing God's voice, it doesn't, it doesn't, it can be through reading. It can, it can be through the preaching or the teaching. It can also be through, through you and speaking with one another. If you possess the truth, you know the truth and you speak truth to somebody else. It doesn't have to be scripture and verse like second Timothy three sixteen says, that somehow God won't speak. No, if it's truth, that's where I would speak the truth in love to one another. When the truth comes, it's as if God himself is speaking to us. When you speak truth to someone else and someone else hears it, God is speaking to them. Well, no, 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 no. That person is speaking to them. Yes, he, that, yes, he or she is. We got to understand, you, they're the means by which God will, that's how God will speak. He will use means. So the truth of his word, when it is presented and communicated, and then it affects us in some way where we're taught, we're instructed, we're corrected, we're rebuked, we're convicted, you know, that kind of thing happens. What is that? That is God's voice speaking to you. That's important to understand. And we, sometimes we get confused or it gets clouded because, or we misunderstand that because of the person or the means by which it's coming. We think that, like, if you're reading the Word or hearing the Word, and, and if you're convicted when you read it, that, that, okay, that's clear. I understand that God spoke to me. But it's not so clear when we're having conversations with other people. It's not so clear when we're, you know, somebody is, uh, we're reading a blog or reading an article. Because it might, more, it might get a little bit of distance from the actual written Word. But if it's the truth of the written Word, remember, it's the spirit of truth. He's got given. Who will guide us into all truth. And reveal truth to us. And speak truth to us. So it's something we have to begin to prayerfully listen for. Understand God will use means. He's going to. He's going to use preachers. He's going to use teachers. He's going to use magazines. He's going to use books. He's going to use articles. And of course, he's going to use the actual written word as you read it or as you hear it. But it will always be the truth of the word that comes to us. And when we... We are taught, we are corrected, we are admonished, we are convicted in some way. This is the work of the Spirit that can't be done by you. You can't gin it up. Here's something to also understand. There is an enemy who's seeking to destroy you and would love to confuse you and love to mess with you. If you hear things that condemn you and don't convict you, raise your flag immediately. God does not come to speak to you to condemn you. You'll know it's God. He'll convict you and he'll show you what you need to do. He'll tell you what you need to do. When you're condemned, well, who's the accuser of the brethren? Who's the father of lies? It's the devil himself. If you're condemned and you feel heaviness and darkness and a cloud, and it seems like what you're hearing and what's coming into your head or what's coming in is, is really really dark, and it's really condemning, that is not the voice of God. Jesus has come to set captives free. 
He's come to set at liberty those who are in bondage. He's come to give rest to weary souls. He's come to forgive. He's come for the unrighteous. He's come for the lost to seek and to save and deliver. God will convict you. The devil will condemn you. God will show you the way out. The enemy will trap you. And there will be no way out. It's very important that we learn to hear the voice of God. Here's something else we need to do is make sure, even though I, now it's, I said it's through means, here's a means that typically doesn't work. I want to hear from God. Whoa. We all growl like bears. We moan like doves. What does that mean? It's not like that. It's not magical. It's not mystical. It's not weird. As you read the Word of God, the Spirit of God will take the truths that you need and apply them to your life. So you can read, and it's like, sometimes it can be, oh, that's very encouraging. Sometimes, well, that's convicting. Sometimes, hmm, that's interesting. Sometimes it's, wow, that was really good to be reminded of that. And all those things, the Spirit of God is working through the Scripture. So what you should do is just do a healthy dose of always being in the Word and read it. And God, you don't have to do the whole, well, maybe this is how God will speak to me. It's his word, and I'll do this, and then then I'll look and see. Maybe I'll get the magic verse. Don't do that, because that's the Spirit will guide you into all truth. And if you have a reading plan, just read, and he will guide you in and through that and speak to you through those words. Don't try the whole magic thing. It's not how it works. God speaks to you through his word, and he uses means to give you that word. The other thing I just want to close in this section to understand is because of this, prayer, prayerfully approach hearing the word. When you come here, say, Father, speak to me today. Speak to me. And when Dean goes away and you hear the word and it penetrates and hits your soul, God is speaking to you. That's the Lord. When he's, when he's teaching you, when he's admonishing you, when he's correcting you, it's the Lord. Separate me in a lot of ways. Separate, separate the means and the medium. and real. Don't get caught up and preachers and teachers and who, who this latest and greatest is. But understand one thing. God will use his word and he will speak to us through it. I also want to say this. I, I think that we need to also understand when God speaks to us is where he speaks to us. Not just through what that he speaks, the word, but where does he speak to us. And I think this is, I've been wrestling with this. It's an important thing to understand. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 11, verses 11 through 13, I think it explains what I mean by that statement. Because it might come to us, the words might come to us through our eyes or through our ears, but it always speaks to our spirit. Here's what I mean. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? Make sense? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So the text reveals to us here in 
1 Corinthians, that the Spirit of God is the one who comprehends the thoughts of God. Just, of God. just like the Spirit, your Spirit comprehends your thoughts, you have an internal life. There's a lot going on in your head. There's a lot going on in here in the person. And, and you know yourself, you know your thoughts, you know what goes on inside of you, because that's how God has made you, to be self-reflective and have a spirit within you. And he says the same thing with God. The spirit knows the thoughts of God. And then he goes on to say that the spirit of God is the spirit we've received. As he also declared in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And the Spirit of God dwells in you? The lesson Paul is trying to teach us here is that the truth is that the Spirit of God dwells in our spirit because, and because of this, the spiritual things that are from God can only be spiritually discerned. This means that when the Word of God comes in, It might come in through your eyes, it might come in through your ears, but it is in our spirit that we discern it and actually hear it. A fundamental difference with people. We have to understand that it's unlike communication that we have with people in the physical world. You and I, we cannot communicate with each other unless we're in each other's presence. Let's say if we're deaf, we use sign language. Or we can communicate through scowls. We can communicate through physical expressions. But if we're in two separate rooms, we have, our communication is broken down. We need some means. We, physical people need to communicate. We can't, you couldn't go sit in the nursery, close the curtains, and then there you and I communicate in our spirits. We're not, we're not created like that. But God, by his spirit, dwells in our spirit and communicates through our spirit. So as Paul says, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. They're not like the physical realm in the way we communicate. This is So when we hear God's word, it speaks to us where? It speaks to us in our spirits. Here's the interesting thing. It may or may not be, it may be audible words that we hear from somebody or through a preacher or something that we read. It may not be audible maybe red, it comes in. When it comes in, it speaks to us. Not just, it's not like raw reasoning or like uh, how we communicate. It speaks to us in our, in our spirits where we know within, we know and hear what he's referring to, what he's getting at. So, for example, have you ever been in a situation where you have had, you've sinned against somebody else. You've sinned against them, and God convicts you about it. And it's as if, God doesn't say it audibly, but it says, it's as if he says, you need to make that right with that person. You need to go and seek forgiveness. Where did that occur? You didn't hear that. That wasn't an audible word anywhere you, you were convicted of that. That spoke to you where? In your spirit. Even now, I can't see what's going on right now. There's a world in each one of you happening, going on. I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what you're thinking. 
You can sit there thinking, he's a total idiot. I don't know that. <laughs> you can be thinking all kinds of things. You have, a, you have actually a whole world going on. The person next to you doesn't even know. Nobody knows. God knows, and God will speak to you in that place. So you don't need to hear audible voices at all. God speaks loud and clear. I remember a time, well, this, is, this has happened several times, just in going about life. One particular occasion, I was walking outside, and I walked past a piece of garbage. And I didn't want to pick it up. But as if God, God might as well have said, Dean, turn around and pick that up. No audible voice. But it's like, okay. <laughs> Turn around, and I pick it up and throw it in the garbage. Now, why did he, God spoke to me. What? No, 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 don't get me wrong. He didn't speak, it was a lot of a voice, because he doesn't need to do that. But he speaks loud and clear to my spirit. It was loud, it was clear, there was no misunderstanding it. Dean, turn around and pick that up. But I don't want to. But I asked you to. Okay. There was, it, it, in, in a lot of times, we, this is where we try to communicate what is going on there. People say, well, I have I've had an impression, or God said, or different things. This is where that's, that part gets a little weird. Because when we communicate what is going on in here, all of a sudden people's like, what are you talking about? Did, are you saying that God spoke from heaven? I don't get that. And for the longest time, I didn't understand what people were even saying. I don't understand that. God has never spoken to me like that. And as I wrestle with this and I think through it and I understand, well, God clearly speaks to me all the time in these particular cases. I can't tell you how many times it's like even, even as I read the word, heard the word, taught the word, is like, and it's loud and clear. There's no denying it. Dean, you need to go to talk to this person. But I don't want to. But you need to. <laughs> I don't need an audible voice. Because when his spirit speaks to my spirit, it, it's, it communicates differently than two people. And this is why there'd be all kinds of means through which God can speak to us. But he'll always speak through whatever means he's using. It'll ultimately come down to our spirits where we receive it. We're taught, we're corrected, we're admonished, we're convicted. All that work of the Spirit happens, and it happens in our spirit. And when it happens to you, you will agree with me. It is loud and it is clear. It's not like you have to wonder about, hmm, I wonder what it is God is saying for me to do. No, he just told you to pick up the garbage. And you don't want to listen to him. And here, because here's the thing, sometimes if we don't understand this clearly, we can, what we'll tell ourselves is that, oh, that's just, it's like that's not important. Like you don't have to listen to that. Show me the Bible verse that says you shall pick up the garbage you pass by. (laughs) There is no verse. I'm off the hook then. No, but you know the truth of God's word says? Love your neighbor as yourself. Show some love. Ooh, that has a lot of implications. If I'm to love others, tons of implications, and there's lots of implications to it you'll never find in the Bible. Brush your teeth so that your breath doesn't stink. So when you talk to people, 
you don't abuse them. <laughs> Love and the trifles, right? We're, and, and the thing is, when we understand how it is God is speaking to us, we realize this is what, you have to be careful. When God speaks to you, please, listen. <laughs> Don't make excuses. Don't deny it. You know when you're convicted, you're admonished, you're rebuked, you're taught, he instructs you. He, he'll treat you like a father treats a son or a daughter. What he does is he clearly communicates. Now, something else we have to understand here is that God is not chit-chatty. Don't, it's, when we say God speaks to us, and sometimes, and this is why it's so important for all of us, we have to have proper expectations, right? If you leave here and you expect God to just go, how's your day going? You know, oh, great. You know, how's yours going? Oh, great. And, and just chit-chat about everything. No, that's not how it works. He's not chit-chatty. He is your heavenly Father, and he will, he will do, as the Spirit has said he'll do, he'll guide you into all truth. Truth, and you walking in the truth, is his major priority, that you know his Son, love his Son, and, and do what he's called you to do. And so what God will, how he will speak to you, this is this, this thing. You can't think that it'll just be, oh, just constant conversation. No. But when you need it, he gives it to you. But he's also okay with, a lot, with just being quiet. Just think of an incredibly wise man who is not, who's kind of sparse with the words, but when the words come, whoo, they've got chutzpah. And that's often how God speaks to us. We have to understand that he, when he speaks, he speaks clearly to us. And there's no mistaking it. It'll be the truth, and he'll speak in a particular location. You know where? In our spirits, and we will know. And as I said, even here now, if you're taught, corrected, admonished, or convicted in any way, I didn't do it. I can't. God is speaking to you. What you need to do is obey. What is he saying to you? And obey it. And as we listen to him, and as we obey it, we start, we start to experience God in really amazing, powerful ways. And we can discern his voice and know what it's him that is speaking the truth to us, because we realize how it is he does that and through the means by which he does that. All of a sudden, you should be able to go throughout your life and see all kinds of places and times and, and situations where he's spoken to you. But for whatever reason, you might have written it off. Or perhaps this morning, you're sitting here, and the word of God has been dead to you. It's not life to you. This book, you do not love it. You don't really, whatever. You have several. They sit on the tables. They sit on the bookshelves. And they're just kind of, it's just whatever. The word of God has not, perhaps it was precious to you. And it's no longer precious to you. In that particular case, I, I challenge you to do this. You go home today and you sit before God and you say, Father, if there's anything in my life, any sins that has gotten between you and me, would you please reveal that to me? And when he does, you take care of it. And then you seek him, seek to hear from him, 
Open your word and say, Father, and prayerfully open it. Say, Father, speak to me. Because there's no magic in this book. If you just read this book and have a reading plan of five chapters a day, oh, good for you for your discipline. But if God does not minister to you through this, there's a problem. This book has got to become the voice of God to you where he corrects, encourages, rebukes, convicts, admonishes, and guides and directs you. And when he does so, you will know it because he'll speak to you in the spirit where spiritual things are discerned and you know what he's calling you to do. So I challenge you all, please, pursue God, seek him, and he'll be found. Open his word. Be open to his word. And when he speaks to you, it'll give you life. It'll give you direction. It'll instruct you. It'll correct you. It'll guide you and direct you. And best of all, it will transform you. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for, for, that you speak to us, that you declare clearly to us your will through your word. The truth of your word comes to us, Father, and we're grateful that you've given us the spirit and you've convicted us, you've shown us, you've guided us, directed us, taught us, instructed us, admonished us, and directed our path. You, O oh Lord, are to be praised. We thank you for opening the book to us, that we know your word, that we hear it, Praise you, Father, for this great gift. Amen.